This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners. I'm Chris Benliff, and I have Tony Spina back with us today in the hot seat. Tony, we're continuing conversations we've been having uh, with Jerry and with yourself around manufacturing and around uh, making more of the opportunities in manufacturing where our products are concerned, being sensible, I think, being uh, a little more proactive in making sure we've got opportunities for success. I think that taps into profitability. Uh, I think it taps into efficiencies. I think it taps into systems and processes. But let me give you a platform. Let's talk a little bit about, I think, starting with costing, product costs. What do you think are some key things that we should keep in mind as we're costing our products? All right. Well, let me start here. Well, the most obvious effect of inaccurate costing is it leads to poor pricing decisions. Um, unfairly assigning too much to cost to a product uh, can result in over overpricing a product and cause you to lose competitiveness in the marketplace. You know, if somebody else is making a similar product at a lot less, um, you can lose market share that way. Conversely, if you um, are under assigning costs or not assigning enough costs to a product, um, you could, you know, be distorting the margin on on the actual product. You may think that you, you're actually your selling price is adequate to cover your costs, and it's not. So you could actually be, be losing money in those cases on the product. How do I manage that? How do I think about kind of this fine art of pricing so that my margins are healthy enough for me to make money, but um, Competitive? Am I? Uh, do I wait for com- for com- competition to set the price? Do I? Uh, am I fearful to be higher than the competition? Is there a certain range that I should? Well, be- first off, actually, yeah. First off, you got to make sure your costing is accurate, so you can do some things there. Uh, when you we're talking about product costing, you're basically talking about materials, labor, and manufacturing overhead. Materials are often the largest component of cost, um, but I would say, from my experience, you know. Most manufacturing concerns get that right, but you know it could, could still be off if you if you're if you think you should have a five percent scrap rate and you really experience a ten percent scrap rate. You know you could be using more materials than you think you are, which would be reflective. You'd pick that up, you know, through inventory management, you know, and purchasing. You know, as your actual quantities diminish, you know, as compared to what you think actually happened through a you know an ERP system with a full blown you know, product costing module, so to speak. Uh, as far as labor goes, you know, you know, once again, you don't see as much uh, issue with that. But, you know, once again, you know, if, you know, if the labor, you know, things are taking longer than you think they should um, or that your costing reflects, you know, you could have a distortion there. But most of it, most of the distortion usually comes around manu- the allocation of manufacturing overhead. Um, that's all the costs associated in a plant that support the manufacturing operation itself. And it becomes a uh, determination by any manufacturing companies. How am I going to allocate these? And there are a few, you know, traditionally, there are, you know, there are many ways you can allocate it. But the three biggest areas, uh, the three biggest ways people, uh, manufacturing companies generally allocate them are, th- are either direct labor, machine hours or square footage or some combination uh, of the three. Um, I should also add, you know, in this day of automation, uh, with many 
you know, manufacturing companies going to, you know, automating more, that itself may necessitate a change in, in the way you're allocating costs, for instance, from direct labor to machine hours. I was and all of these things, you know, and just to finish, you know, so you start with having, you know, what are my costs? Then you can always compare your costs to the marketplace and do things along those lines to see, you know, you know, wow, you know, I have my costs right is, you know, my, why is my selling price, you know, so much higher? Why am I cost so much higher than the next guy? And you'd look for, you know, improvements there to make it more competitive. Let's unpack some of this because you said some really interesting things. Um, automation versus, you know, the labor costs. I imagine that there's a higher front end to get my automation sort of off the ground and, and running, but then I'm going to save more uh, down the road. Do you have some insight on that? Is there a, um, a right time or a right product that I should be keying better into automation or I should be thinking more about automation versus it's more efficient and effective to stick with a labor force for this kind of manufacturing? Well, I mean, you know, it's specific to actually what you're making and what's available, you know, to automate. You know, it becomes a question of well, what's my... Uh, what's the cost of if I decide to automate, what's, you know, the investment, you know, up front, you know, to automate and, and you know, what's my payback time? What, what can I gain in efficiency and reduction in cost? And will it pay for itself over a reasonable amount of time? That's, you know, basically what you're looking at. I mean, you know, certain things, even to this, even in the uh, era of uh, automation, there are certain manufacturing processes that can, you know, um, you know, this lend its, don't lend it necessarily lend itself to automation or an affordable automation process. Sure, there are plenty of things that can be automated, uh, but not every, you know, not every manufacturing company is going to have the bank account or the borrowing power to, you know, potentially finance something like that or the product demand to warrant, you know, a shorter payback period. Materials, let's talk a little bit about that because I think um, that's a that's a huge cost. And maybe it's something that can be negotiated or can be leveraged uh, differently than it is. Do you feel like there are uh, more opportunities than manufacturing companies expect to negotiate some of those material costs or, or volume or, you know, manage uh, shipping or distribution so that it's coming in a different place? Are there more opportunities there than, uh, than many companies expect or anticipate? Or once you have kind of the relationship you have, it's, it's, you know, that's kind of what you're going to be dealing with. And you should take that into the equation. Well, you know, I think you know, I tend to think there's always opportunities. Uh, some are more easy. Some are easier to find than others. You know, it's an investment in time often. Uh, I think, you know, with, with regard to suppliers and relationships, I think it's natural for all of us. And no matter what we do is to get comfortable, you know, with somebody or, you know, or in this case of business, and, you know, and you like the relationship, you like seeing Joe Smith when he comes and, you know, a sense of loyalty. But, you know, that said, you know, business is still business. And I think that, you know, on some periodic basis, it's, you know, it's, it's probably good business practice to always, you know, you know, search out the marketplace, to see what somebody else can can do for you. Can you get a lower cost? Can you negotiate a, a contract even with Joe Smith? I mean, often, you know, if the supplier is happy, he's going to be inclined to keep things status quo. Um, so it's often, 
you know, incumbent, you know, on you as the purchaser to you know, say, hey, I need to reduce my price 10%. You know, I'm losing market share. What can you do? Um, you know, what if I order more? You know, can we get a better price? But, then, you know, there are other issues with even ordering more. You got to be able to warehouse. Right. You got to be able to, you know, warehouse inventory. So it's, there's no one answer. It really requires an in-depth analysis, you know, to get, you know, that, uh, to determine, you know, what's right for each manufacturing company. Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC financial flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com. And that connects to your comment about the overhead and square footage. You might you might yeah. create an opportunity somewhere, and you just uh, now you got to store a whole bunch of stuff. You got to increase yeah. square footage in that overhead. Yeah. One, uh, I imagine. One other thing. With, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I just want to mention this one other issue with you know costing that I don't think everybody always you know realizes but you know if you're over over costing a product okay you're in effect you're st- you're overstating your inventory okay and if you overstate your inventory um you're overstating your profits which you know which can result in more tax and it can also um result in what's the well if a company's under let me put it this way if a company's under a you know operating under a working uh, uh i'm sorry a working capital line of credit or an under an asset-based lending uh formula with their bank if you you know if you understate if you understate your inventory you're understating your inventory value and you're that's decreasing the amount of cash you can actually draw on your line Really? Which I don't think, which, you know, and cash is king is, you know, I know it's an old adage, but it's true. Uh, I don't think people often realize that, you know, like I said, if you, you know, over, overstate and understatement of inventory also has, you know, profit and loss of effects, which, you know, could, you know, either increase or decrease your tax. So the CFO is a key mind in this whole thing, because there are so many levers to pull and balls to juggle and analogies to make. I mean, you just really need to have a really clear focus, even even I think as you're getting into uh, innovation, you know, new products yeah. or, or uh, new pricing strategies or whatever. Talk to me a little bit about that, especially around maybe some of the KPIs that I should be keeping in mind, mm-hmm. um, around some of the reporting that are essential for leaders to have to make decisions. What is the CFO... Um, need to make sure the guidance is there. What are some of those essential aspects of that? Well, I think it starts, everybody wants to improve profitability, right? Uh, Whether you're a manufacturing company or you're a service provider, you know, in a manufacturing environment, um, you really kind of need to put together, you know, a profitability improvement strategy. And it often starts, and the easiest place to start, which it surprises me how many, you know, how, it, how often this is not done, but is to, you know, look at your customer margins. Okay. Mm. Studies show that, you know, you pretty well studies show that 
you know, the top 20% of your customers, if you will, uh, account for 80% or more of a company's profits. Okay. So that means the opportunity there is to do more business, you know, with those customers um, and also an opportunity to look at improving the margins on the other 80%. I mean, there may be cases where you have to lose a customer that isn't profitable in order to gain profitability for, for the company. If you ask, but, and, but in that same vein, if you ask any business owner, you know, manufacturing or otherwise, you know, who their top, you know, 10 or 20 customers are, most are going to rattle off a list based on revenue. Okay. But what you really need to do is determine who your top, what, who your top 20% customers are based on profitability. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different exercise, Chris, because that gets into, all right, well, as we were just talking about cost and we were talking about materials, labor and manufacturing overhead, but a company's profitability is also um, includes, you know, as a, is a function of what their SG&A expenses are, the selling general and administrative expenses are. So what to do a true customer profitability analysis, you would have to, you know, you would have to embark on allocating the SG&A to cost to each, you know, to either, you know, a customer or a product. You can take any approach. You can take, you know, a customer uh, approach to allocating SG&A. You can take a product approach to taking SG&A. And that'll show you who, you know, who your top 20%, who your top profitable customers are. That's your real top 20%, not necessarily based on revenue size, but based on profitability. And what becomes the issue here is, you know, how do I allocate SG&A costs? There's traditional methods, but they're flawed. Uh, Where people say, oh, I just take, uh, you know, I just look, I do it based on revenue. Well, okay, well, that's, that's flawed right off the bat. You know, for instance, if you're going to allocate SG&A costs based on revenue, if you have one product that has a high material content, for instance, it's going to have a higher, you know, selling price and it's going to, you know, by your formula, it's going to pick up an improportionate share of or unfair share of the SG&A costs, which would distort distort its profitability, would understate it and, you know, and, and fairly benefit other products. Um, that's one example. Uh, another way people often do it is based on sales orders or sales invoices, which is another arbitrary method, which can distort things as well. There's no really perfect way to do it, Chris, but, you know, I'm a proponent of, you know, if you're really going to embark on this exercise, it, is to really look at everything and try to allocate certain things specifically and other things, you know, maybe generally. Um, For instance, you may embark, say you had, you know, a large advertising budget, but you weren't advertising for all your products. And if you just made some blanket assumption and, you know, attributed the advertising to all products or all customers, you would, once again, it would, you know, distort the profitability, you know, inflate or deflate the profitability for certain uh, customers or, or products. So it's something that can actually, I found, can be very eye-opening for, for you know, small to mid-sized manufacturers specifically to know who their most profitable customers are down to the profit line that you see on your, your profit and loss statement. Is that if you had one piece of advice for those small medium manufacturers, the do this thing first, see if you can get this right first, would that be on the top of your list? That would be, yes, right at the top. You know, look at your customer margins and, you know, and really take a look at who your most profitable 
customers are, you know, and some, you know, some, uh, you may, some things you find may be eye-opening, <laughs> uh, but it also create, you know, it also, you know, kind of directs you as to where you should be focusing your efforts. Tony you know, Spina, back with us. Products or customers, huh? Tony Spina, back with us again. Uh, I feel like, again, we just scratched the surface. and uh, oh, We're done already? <laughs> we got to have you come back so we can dig deeper into a lot of this stuff. But um, this is a master class in manufacturing costing. Thank you so much for your very specific and actionable insights. Uh, it really helps, I think, our listeners to develop a sense of what they could be doing differently and where to connect with this. And as always, I think that CFO is an essential ingredient uh, to have some of this perspective. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.